Hello, I'm Kathy English, and I want to welcome you to Profiles in Stewardship, where my husband, Bill English, has conversations with business owners about how they integrate their role as business leaders with their faith in Jesus Christ. Today, Bill is talking with Keith Moeller, the founder of the Moeller Advisory Group. Keith is passionate about helping Christian business owners become more generous toward God as they live through their retirement years. Keith and Bill will also discuss common best practices and mistakes people make regarding retirement planning. I hope you'll find their conversation challenging and encouraging. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and learn from Keith Moeller in this Profiles in Stewardship episode. And welcome. I am Bill English here, the publisher at Bible and Business. I just want to say good morning. Uh, Bible and Business exists to help Christians in business integrate their leadership roles into their faith and to understand all that the Bible says about owning and leading a business. So I want to thank you for joining us this morning. This episode is part of a growing series titled Profiles in Stewardship. These interviews are intended to illustrate what Christian stewardship looks like in the real world for Christian business owners and Christians who lead in business. So from time to time, I take a Saturday morning and I talk with business owners and business leaders about how they integrate their role, their leadership role, into their Christian faith. These profiles and stewardship episodes are unscripted. We broadcast live while we're recording them. They're real and they're unedited. We only do one take of these interviews and I don't go back and clean up anything. So many of the topics that I discuss in this series are from my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. Uh, today, I'm talking with Keith Moeller, who is the founder of the Moeller Advisory Group, a group that is serving private clients who need wealth management advisory services. Keith has deep expertise in estate tax minimization and family generational continuity. He is a certified business exit consultant, and he helps people retire with confidence. Keith has been featured in the Forbes magazine, the Kiplinger's newsletter, the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal, and several times in the Wall Street Journal. His personal mission statement is this, it's all about people I am here to give my life in serving others. When Keith isn't working, which I think is most of the time, if I know my, my friend Keith, uh, he enjoys golf and basketball and tennis and several other sports, but he also enjoys traveling to see the landscapes and the cities in America and around the world. So Keith, welcome to Profiles in Stewardship and Bible and Business. Thank you, Bill. It's nice to join you. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you this morning. Yeah, me too. Now, right off the bat, if you'd like to get a hold of Keith Moeller, you can at Keith.Moeller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R, at N-M, uh, Northwestern Mutual, Nancy Mary, N-M.com. So Keith.Moeller at N-M.com. And just a few housekeeping uh, uh, things before we get started. First of all, uh, depending upon which uh, platform you're, you're watching this on, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Twitter uh, or LinkedIn, uh, there's going to be an area to uh, interact with us via chat services. Go ahead and enter your comments or your questions there. It'll take them about 50 or 15 or 30 seconds to show up at our end, uh, but then when we see them, we'll, we'll be sure to interact with you on that. 
Secondly, I have a second computer screen over here. So if I take my focus off of what's going on here and I look over here, it's only because I'm looking at my second computer screen where I have an electronic Bible set up and some other resources for today's broadcast. And well, Bill, like, on, on, on my screen, it looks like you're looking at me if you look at that screen. So I'll, I'll oh, appreciate Oh, really? That. So I should just sit here and talk to you like this, huh? There we go. <laughs> uh, thirdly, I just want to invite you to head over at some point to uh, my website, BibleAndBusiness.com, where I have over 200 uh, podcasts uh, and uh, well over 200 articles uh, that help Christian business owners and Christian leaders in business understand what the Bible says about your role of leading and owning in, in a for-profit or even a non-profit business here in America today. So all that aside, Keith, glad you're here. We're going to get started today, and I've got to pull up uh, the, uh, here it is, the text. So um, we're going to start uh, by looking at uh, building client relationships. And the reason that I want to kind of focus on this is because a number of the people who watch these uh, broadcasts are people who rely on referrals in order to get their businesses to run well. In other words, they, they don't buy lots of advertising. They don't do TV, radio, that kind of thing. They are a referral-based business. So I'm curious, uh, what approach do you have in building client relationships? How do you do that? And what are some of the, some of the scriptures that you use uh, to building client relationships? Well, let's start with scripture. Um, Jesus is always the perfect example. Um, and I'm thinking of Mark 10:45, where scripture says, even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, yeah, the, the, how do you, how does one get favorably connected to people and, um, start to build a client relationship. Uh, for me, a uh, many-pronged approach, I'm in a position where, uh, because of my expertise, other advisors will reach out to me and say, hey, I think I, I need your help with a case. Um, sometimes I meet people in a public setting, uh, and we just had our 34th anniversary in business, January 31, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm much in a position where existing clients are saying, hey, I, I think there's someone uh, you should meet. But, you know, hearkening back to those earlier days where uh, just trying to make favorable connections with people, mm -hmm. I, I think authenticity is incredibly important. Uh, I am, uh, I've often said to people, I'm probably one of the worst salespeople in the world. <laughs> I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I, even my family has said I'm a geek. Uh, and uh, but somewhere along the way, I figured out, and my wife was really helpful with this. I got to show up in a public setting and just uh, shake some hands uh, and get to know some people. Uh, but it's the next step, I think, Bill, that can be critically important. Uh, so oftentimes uh, we're trying to sell something, sell an idea, sell ourselves, sell a product, whatever. And somewhere along the way, I figured out 
that it's really about service. So going back to that scripture, it's really about serving. So my first conversation with folks is, uh, you know, we don't know if we should establish a professional relationship or not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd like to, in 10 or 15 minutes, be able to say, hey, let's do this. Uh, but we, what we do is uh, allow people to get a sense for who we are uh, without, without any strings attached and uh, determine together if that's a relationship that makes sense. And I found that's been a great approach to really reduce the tension in the interaction to say, uh, ideally, five years from now, this you'd like this business relationship to be something you look forward to uh, what are the things that you would have wanted to accomplish and from a from a provider of services i would like to have that same sense as well so let's invest some time together with no strings attached uh, and just give ourselves an opportunity to get to know each other and see what it would feel like to have that client advisor relationship at the end of a couple of meetings, if it makes sense to establish a long-term relationship, we'll know better what that should like, should look like, and uh, how we should work together. Yeah, and, and they wouldn't even meet with you if they didn't think that you had the expertise to begin with, right? Yeah, I, I think in any referral-based business, there has to be, at, at the core of it, people are referring to somebody else because that somebody else has an expertise that is needed in that situation and those who are doing the referring are putting their reputations on the line when, when they make those referrals so you're you're so you have the expertise and then you're saying well we may not be a good fit chemistry wise right and right. so from a chemistry perspective let's just see if this is really going to work uh that's probably a pretty solid approach where sometimes people say no nah, i think i'd rather work with somebody else but I would suspect most of the time, uh, because you're you are a likable guy, <laughs> that they would end up uh, uh, contracting even, for you. Even if I am a geek, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, who was uh, who's the other geek? Oh, it, oh, um, Kirk Cousins. Did you see the uh, the uh, honors show here last week I, for the I Super did not. Day? I oh, did not. You got to watch the very end because Kirk Cousins has been described as having this really um, kind of this geeky, um, not prickly, but uh, just an offbeat personality, right? And he goes on stage and he sings uh, a, 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 a song about how Tom Brady has retired. And he's so happy that Tom's Brady has retired because now everybody else has a chance. Right. <laughs> and it, I think it, yeah. he, stole, he stole the audience during that time, I think. So, so now... The I'm going to back up just a minute. This yeah. is CBO, Christian Business Owners. I'm going I'm to take right. a moment with that word Christian. Uh, we know where that term started. You go back to the Bereans, uh, and that they, they it was actually a derogatory t term when it was initially coined in the scriptures, uh, saying to people, "Oh, you're you're just little Christs." Um, so, uh, the, if you look at it in that, in that realm, uh, first of all, I don't claim to be a Christian. I claim to be a follower of Christ. 
If somebody else decides that I am like Christ, uh, and boy, that's a tall order, right? Uh, and would decide that I'm a Christian. I mean, that's that's an incredible honor to be called like Christ. So in the context of the question that you are asking, how can I, as a follower of Christ, a believer of Christ, be Jesus uh, in the world um, that in, in my in my view, there is no on-off switch to my faith. Uh, right. I, and if, uh, as I've grown, uh, it's about life, business, and personal all blending together um, and spiritual. I mean, the, the spiritual, uh, my faith in Christ is the foundation of who I am. So uh, I'm taking a long time to get there, but the uh, what I'm saying is that interaction, we have two principles. Uh, one, we are generous with our time and tools. A little bit counterintuitive, um, but it, part of it is because and my wife is in business with me. Uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we finally realized I'm a bit of an acquired taste, so people need some time to get to know me. Uh, so two principles. One, we are generous with our time and tools. We are putting that out there, uh, and that is service in, in the you know Mark 10, 45 uh, principle. Secondly, we make it easy for people to disengage. If this isn't right, if this isn't a good conversation, if this doesn't feel like a good fit, it's absolutely fine. Complete permission to tell me, you know what, this, I can see this isn't right for us. And we make it easy for people to, to disengage. When there's that kind of integrity and authenticity in the conversation, then people can be who they are, and there's more likelihood that five years from today, they're going to be happy. Uh, we're going to yeah. be happy with the result. Yeah, no, very, 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 very good words. In terms of maintaining client relationships, do you have any? Do you have any advice for younger people who uh, are in a referral-based business, and uh, they're 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 finding that their client base is kind of a revolving door? I don't mean that over a period of days or weeks. I mean over a period of years. You know, every two or three years, some of their best clients leave, and they're always having to go out and find new clients. And how do you how do you maintain client relationships? Well, the uh... It's a great question. I would say it starts with what's the commitment at the beginning. Uh, at a certain mm -hmm. point, at a certain point, I, I kind of decided, okay, is this a long-term relationship? And and having that candid relationship with an individual can be really helpful. And then and when we say long-term relationship, what does that mean? Uh, mm -hmm. And what I do sometimes uh, a person needs surgery. They don't need an ongoing relationship. There's a particular need, and we solve that. I call it doing surgery. In, in other cases, there's a fully engaged relationship that's needed. So defining that up front and then being, as, as a provider, being able to commit to that relationship and then knowing what is the cadence, how, what's the best way to contact. What's the cadence? Should we be in touch every six months? Should we be 
be in touch once a quarter, once a year. Uh, what is the depth and breadth of the services that we are going to provide? And then one thing uh, that is a lost art in today's technology world is handwritten notes. I, it, it sounds really simple, but but the uh, some of the some of the deepest relationships I have uh, and the responses that I get are from handwritten notes that I so I have a habit and if I have any clients that are listening to this interview uh, now now you're going to kind of know what's happening behind the scenes but I look at my calendar over the last couple of weeks every week and and I look for folks that it feels like a handwritten note is in order or if somebody's got a particularly difficult time going on in their life or uh, something exciting we recently had a client who uh, was promoted to CEO um, we take I take I give the list to someone on my team they get the address and the stamp on there and I don't want to waste a stamp so I'm gonna make a handwritten note <laughs> uh, and it, it might take me a week to get the note done but we're gonna get it out there and uh, okay now again back to the faith thing John 13 30, 35 by this shall all men know that you are my disciples that you have loved one for another expressing care I mean you know, we're sitting here in a world full of conflict right now, incredible anxiety. My wife and I were just reading uh, a post about the, the, the level of anxiety and depression that has risen, especially in our younger people. And if a follower of Christ, if, if as a believer, we cannot, we do not have an answer for that, um, uh, we don't have, you know, there's fewer things that would be more important than uh, just being able to uh, show care. And believe me, we don't get it perfect at Mueller Advisory Group, but we, we care. Uh, we try to admit our blind spots. And uh, that, uh, maybe I went off on a tangent a little bit, but that, uh, we're finding that makes a difference. It's, it's not just business. Uh, I mean, we're we're fellow citizens in this world, and we're helping people along the way um, to a better place. You know, um, I tell my managers, most people never feel cared for, and they never, or they rarely feel cared for, and they are rarely thanked for what they do. And there, there are times when I just walk around the office, and it's a smaller office, you know, we only have about 55 people in our home office. But I'll walk around the office as the CEO and I'll say, you know, how are you doing today? And I, and I try to dive into their personal lives a little bit, just a little, and then thank them for the good work that they're doing. And uh, as Christians, it just seems to me that if we're grateful to God for what he has done for us and how he has literally rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son can we not show some gratitude uh, to others who work for us and who really do good work in our businesses uh, and, yeah, and these, I, are, these, these are good people absolutely and you know and uh for those who might be listening that are curious 
that maybe maybe not followers of Christ. Uh, if our lives, oh yeah. Are, oh yeah, you know, if if our lives are not showing that, then shame on us. And as uh, those who are maybe curious or not followers of Christ, uh, you have complete permission to let us know, because while Jesus was the perfect example, sometimes we are imperfect comp copies, and we need to build. I, we need to approach those conversations with humility and grace, recognizing that we don't always get it right. Very true. We're talking today with Keith Muller, who is the founder of the Muller Advisory Group. Uh, you can get a hold of Keith at uh, Keith.Muller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R, dot N-M, Nancy Mary, Northwestern Mutual, dot com. And uh, we're going to move on to our next question. Uh, Keith, let's talk for a little bit um, about what the scriptures say about saving versus hoarding. Um, and I, I've kind of covered this, uh, at least from my viewpoint in my book, A Christian Theology of Business Ownership. But uh, talk to me for just a few minutes, kind of just till the ground here a little bit, if you would, about saving and hoarding and, and how Christians should be looking at these two topics. So the uh, scripture that came to my mind was Proverbs 13, 11. Okay. Uh, he, who, he who would get rich would gather little by little. Um, so, the, for those who might conclude that uh, to be a, a believer in Christ is uh, a commitment to poverty, uh, scriptures make it clear that uh, God chooses to uh, favor for, his, for the sake of uh, promoting his kingdom. Uh, so in terms of our responsibility, I think of Luke 12, 48, last half mm -hmm. of the verse says, to whom much is given, much is required. Okay, so uh, there is legitimate saving that needs to happen. Uh, you think about Joseph in the Old Testament, how God gave him the dream, uh, and he was able to help he became second in command uh, and helped the nation gather during a time of plenty over seven years to prepare for seven years of, of uh, complete devastation. Uh, and, and so there is definitely biblical saving. Now, on the other hand, there's definitely hoarding. And I'm sitting here with my Bible in front of me. Forgive me, I'm a bit of a King James guy. Uh, it's just we, we uh, still I, love you, Keith. We still love you, man. <laughs> the uh, it's just how I got started uh, memorizing scripture. Uh, sure. And uh, but this one, uh, it's Luke chapter twelve, and we all know the story. Uh, starting with verse sixteen, Jesus spoke a parable. He said, "The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully." He thought within himself, saying. What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Well, we know the story. He said, I'm going to build right. barns. Uh, and then Jesus, uh, God said to him, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Uh, so um, the hoarding 
uh, okay, so he didn't say money is the root of evil. He said love of money is the root of evil. Right. And, right. and uh, if we are people of faith, uh, there's a purpose for that wealth. To whom much is given, much is required. Uh, so uh, being prepared to care for your loved ones, to provide the cash flow that's needed at a time of life when you're not able to work, um, that is all very prudent and wise. But to hoard and not use what we've been given, not just in money, but in time and talent and margin in our lives, those of us that, those who get to the point where there is margin, uh, you know, we're not given that just to consume it on ourselves. Uh, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to use that um, to build his kingdom in some way, to, to serve others in some way. Yeah, and, and that reminds me, um, I've been reading through Ecclesiastes in my morning devotions. Sounds like exciting reading. <laughs> well, I'm a geek too, right? Yeah. But we're, you and I, we're just personable. We're happy, personable geeks, you know? Yeah. Actually, I forgive the joke, but Ecclesiastes is incredible. You know, uh, a wise man who found the futility of so many things. So go ahead and finish your thoughts. Sorry about that. Well, um, actually, uh, I was thinking about writing a book on Ecclesiastes, but then I realized it would be about nothing. So, um, <laughs> but I said, uh, six, five, 16, 519 says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, right? Some people have lots of money and they're just curmudgeons. They're unhappy people. But when God does give uh, wealth and possessions, and then he gives you the ability to enjoy it, then we should accept our lot and be happy in our life because this is a gift from God. Absolutely. Um, I'm also thinking of Philippians chapter four, where Paul yeah. said, uh, I've had plenty, I've been in want, I've learned whatever condition I'm in, therewith to be content. Uh, so there's a, uh, yeah, the, uh, I recently sat in on a session, uh, interesting story about Bernie Madoff. You know, he was a market maker before, yep. before all of what happened. And the, the word, Bill, is enough. What, what is enough? Um, and as uh, what we've tried to do uh, my wife and I, is set our standard of living uh, well below our means so that, so that that allows time margin. Time margin is a little difficult because, as you, as you uh, well said, I have a tendency to work a little bit. Um, and money margin to, to serve and have impact. Uh, and if you're always stressed about where's that next dollar going to come from, uh, it's hard to be in that place. And one of the things we have done and that I love doing in our business, we, we help people create donor advised funds. So we can, we can scrape the cream off the 
and put it into a donor advised fund and create a, a charitable checkbook so that as the opportunity is there uh, and we see needs within the kingdom, uh, places that we should serve, uh, then we uh, take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, and by the way, not every piece of giving has to be uh, to, uh, in my in my belief, uh, has to be to a Christian organization. Uh, there, um, Jesus talked about uh, giving a cup of cold water in His name. Uh, there are incredible needs in the world, and if uh, who better to have an impact on these incredible needs than uh, than people who claim to be followers of Jesus. Right. And so that leads us, let's look at the flip side of this. Let's turn the coin over, hoarding. In my book, I, I define hoarding as excessive saving. In other words, you save enough to meet future, reasonably so, to meet future expenses uh, so that uh, you're not a, a burden to society or to your family. If possible, you save enough. Uh, but beyond that, you give it away, uh, in part because wealth is a renewable resource, in part because you don't need it, uh, and in part other people do need it. And so I look at uh, hoarding as excessive savings. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Why don't you till that hoarding ground for just a minute and help us understand uh, uh, where, where you come from on that. Well, in advance of us uh, spending time together, Bill, you, you said you like scriptures. Uh, and that that uh, that rung true with me because it for me having younger in my life done a fair amount of scripture memory it just it's like it becomes the foundation of so uh, the uh, hopefully not to bore with <laughs> too much scripture I don't know if that's possible uh, but the, it isn't for our audience no yeah. so I think of Matthew 16. Matthew 6, uh, it's, it left me, Matthew 6, yes, Matthew 6, 19 and 20, where he said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven uh, where thieves don't break through and steal. Um, so the that excess that you're talking about uh, it's it's all about what is the purpose, um, and to the it doesn't mean as you uh, as you mentioned from Ecclesiastes that we should not enjoy the abundance. I mean, uh, he Jesus also said, uh, "You haven't asked, and you haven't received, so you don't have joy." Uh, back to the King James: "Hitherto have you asked nothing." Ask and you receive that your joy will be full. Uh, right. But bringing people along with you in that joy, and uh, it's it's that sense of holding tightly and not letting loose of it, uh, kind of like the Dead Sea. Yeah. So saving and hoarding. Uh, rich people should not be hoarding. We should be generous. Uh, some, uh, there's not a lot, but there's some in, in most churches who should be giving 50, 70, 
sometimes 80% or more of their wealth away. Uh, the last guest I had who runs a family office out of Houston, he, uh, he knows a guy who lives on 100000 a year. He owns a crane company. I mean, who owns a crane company? He owns a crane company and gives away over $50 million a year to various causes. And yeah, just, I am. I am completely amazed by uh, some of those stories that I hear, Bill. And again, yeah. uh, what an opportunity to have an impact on the world if you uh, if you limit your lifestyle so that you can maximize the abundance. I mean, I go all the way back when I was younger, listening to Larry Burkett, uh, Christian yeah. Financial Concepts, talking about minimizing your lifestyle so you can maximize the abundance uh for the kingdom um, but at the same time it doesn't mean that there's not the opportunity to have a nice place enjoy life use those things to uh as a part of the of the whole process of being who we are supposed to be as believers yeah let's not beat ourselves up because god in his sovereignty had us born in the most uh, affluent generation of the most affluent country at the most affluent time that this world has ever seen. And he had you and I and others born here in America. We weren't born in Calcutta. We weren't born in, in uh, the 7th century China, right? He had us in his sovereignty born here. There's a purpose and a reason for that. And, and much of that, it, it, to my way of thinking, is to uh, help become help the church right now become the greatest sending uh organization that that the christian church has ever seen in part because we're able to generate wealth and make that possible yeah so, it, it just goes it just goes full circle back to the scripture i started with to whom much is given much is required much uh, yeah i think it's in first corinthians it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful um being faithful and uh to the glory of god right 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 well we're talking with keith moeller today who's the founder of the moeller advisory group here in minneapolis st paul um you can get a hold of keith at keith.moeller m-o-e-l-l-e-r at mn i'm sorry nm.com keith.moeller at nm.com and uh, let's let's shift gears here uh, one more time, Keith. I want to get into your sweet spot, uh, which is uh, key things for a sale transition, key elements for retirement planning. Till the soil here for us for a little bit. What's the best practices and the worst practices for retirement planning? And if you're a business owner and you're looking to sell your business, what are some of the best and worst practices? Uh, for that situation as well. So I'll just I'll just let you ramble around in that in that field for a while, Keith. All right. Well, we can certainly interact together because I know you do uh, some work in that area yourself. Uh, the uh, yeah. So one should not start a business. This is uh, very idealistic without knowing how you're going to get out. Uh, yep. So. Even from the beginning. Now it's interesting to me, you know, when you start as a solo owner, uh, one thing, but uh, two business owners will come together with an idea, and they'll develop 
um, it's interesting to me uh, that they immediately think about what if we die or become disabled and obviously one should have succession agreements in place with triggers in place uh, to decide what happens uh, and then often that's the end of it and the most likely thing that's going to happen they're going to live <laughs> and uh, hopefully the business is profitable right uh, never gets dealt with because we get busy running a business making a profit and and we don't we don't make those plans for the more more likely event that there's going to be a living buyout uh, so best practices first of all start with personal what is the personal vision um, somewhere along the way I figured out that going to the business exit plan without understanding the personal vision was unsuccessful. So for any business owner that is watching this, I would encourage them get crystal clear about what your personal vision is. Um, what, what is your mission, your personal mission, your vision for life? When do you plan to retire? Uh, financial independence. Uh, what are all of those personal objectives that you hope to accomplish through this business? Because for closely held business owners, uh, unless they just have really huge egos and they just want a business for pride's sake, they're trying to accomplish personal goals through their business and understanding, building that vision clearly allows us to come to the come to the table for the conversation of how do we exit the business to accomplish those things. So that's, to me, that's one of the best practices. Start there. Okay. So the first best practice is to understand the personal goals of the business owner who is generating the wealth to begin with. Absolutely. Uh, and then secondly, recognize that unless you just happen to have a really hot widget, the value of the business is the people. Mm. And uh, so if, if I am working with a business where if the business owner walks away, the business cannot continue, oftentimes I, I like to ask, so if you were gone for a month, could not communicate, uh, with your team, what would happen with the business? So early on, developing the ability of key people on the team, being able to duplicate the jobs that the active owner does, and the business owner working themselves out of the job makes that business more valuable. Because now, if I'm an outside buyer or even an inside buyer, I know once that business owner is bought out, and let's just let's be honest, most business owners uh, they have a hard time with somebody else making the de decisions, right? <laughs> I'll uh, I'll confess to that. <laughs> um, so once they're bought out, they may stick around for some intellectual capital for a period of time, but it's it's not going. And typically, it's not going to go well. Uh, so. The business needs to be able to operate on its own. So early on, developing the ability of people to duplicate the jobs 
for the active owner and eventually get to the place where the business owner could, could walk away and be inactive for extended periods of time and the business continue to run as it does today. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The business owners are the ones who have risked money and put a lot of sweat equity into the business and a lot of the decisions route through them. But what I find is that that kind of a business will scale to a certain point and depends on the business. If it's manufacturing, it's, you know, kind of one area. If it's services oriented, it's probably a lot smaller. Uh, but at some point, the business stalls because all of the decisions are routing or most of them are routing through the business owner. And the ones that aren't routing through the business owner are being overseen by the business owner. And at some point, you're right, the, the business has to allow for others to step up. And this is where family succession planning can become really difficult. I've worked with, and you probably have too, Keith, I've worked with several, uh, a number of family businesses where the owners can't let go. The founders can't step away. They're 75, 77, 78 years old. They can't step away. And the kids are in their 50s going, when's it my turn? You know, when do I get a shot to really run this thing? And uh, the smart owners have something to retire to that is transcendent and outside the business so that their identities and their life purpose isn't wrapped up in the business. It's wrapped up in what God has called them to do outside of the business. And those are the yeah. ones that I have worked with that are, that are the most successful in, in succession planning. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. I've got uh, a couple of those conversations going on right now. And uh, the, the in that process, uh, the uh, especially in family businesses, developing the trust in that next generation leadership, uh, one of the things that we've done is encourage the use of someone to step in and do executive leadership assessment and coaching. Because it's hard for mom and dad to have that conversation with the children. Uh, and let's face it, we see things one way and, and the younger folks see it another way and, and their way might be better for today's world uh, because of how things have changed with technology, et cetera. If I can introduce a third party who is skilled at executive leadership assessment and coaching, do that for me also, so that we understand why we act the way we do and why we interact the way we do. And that person can introduce uh, maybe some tough things that need to be said or dealt with with the children, whereas it would be really hard for mom and dad to do that. So you separate the, the personal relationship from the business relationship in that. So, um, Knowing uh, knowing that you can have that kind of input, I think that's real helpful uh, when it's a when it's a family uh, business succession. And I, I'll just uh, to to tag to kind of circle back into the personal planning. Sure. If if I know uh, as a business owner, if I've got the personal plan in place, uh, and I know I need X to be able to live the lifestyle that I want to be able to live for the rest of my life, then I know what business valuation plugs into that and look at all the personal resources too, which is Social Security, uh, if there's a leftover pension from somewhere, uh, investment assets, retirement plan through the company, 
sure. all of that, uh, which leads to another best practice. Uh, as difficult as it is, somewhere along the way, business owner has to learn to take a little, as, as the business grows, circle keeps getting bigger, how do we scrape a little bit of that profit off each year and funnel it into eggs in different baskets? I know our business is never going to have difficulty, right? Uh, because we're strong oh, sure. people. Yeah. We, we always know we're going to be able to be successful, but <laughs> having, having those other resources, uh, especially for businesses that do not, that are intense, uh, hard asset type businesses, there's not a lot of liquidity, having liquid resources uh, to be able to accomplish those personal objectives is important as well. Yeah, I, I tell business owners to try to pull some out uh, a little bit year by year, as opposed to waiting for the big payday, even though there might be a big payday down the road when, when they go to sell their business. Uh, the business will never be worth what the owner thinks it is. It'll always be worth less because owners almost always overvalue their businesses. Um, but, um, yeah, and then I had another thought and it already left me. So I'm getting, I'm getting old, Keith, getting old. <laughs> Say, by the way, uh, for those of you who are watching right now, uh, you can use the chat services in the platform that you're on, I think. Uh, everybody right now is watching through YouTube. And so YouTube, I believe, has a, uh, a chat services. If you have a question for Keith or a comment, you're welcome to enter that. And, and we have about, you know, four or five minutes left here. Uh, we'd be happy to answer some of your questions uh, through through the chat services. And uh, as I've said before, we're talking with Keith Muller, who's the founder of the Muller Advisory Group. Uh, you can get a hold of Keith at keith.muller.com. M-O-E-L-L-E-R at N-M dot com. So uh, for those who don't own businesses, uh, they're, they're people who work for somebody else their whole life. What are some uh, best and worst practices to get ready for retirement planning for them? Well, the, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in clarity of vision. Do the hard work, and I, I think the fun work, uh, we we encourage people, uh, husband and wife, take an hour of quiet time on your own. We have an exercise actually that asks them questions to go through. Envision what does retirement look like. Um, now, for those who are people of faith, that might mean uh, we've got an entire faith mission that we want to accomplish during. But whatever that vision is crystal clear, paint it in living color, and then in that context, uh, the, the hard work, that, the not-so-fun work, the boring work, uh, put together a hypothetical budget based on the lifestyle. If you just look at what you're spending today and compare that to the difference it would look like if you fulfill that vision, an essential budget and a discretionary budget, then rallying all the resources, look at all the resources that are available and there are stress tests available in the financial world today uh, where financial trials are done to help you get a sense of confidence that you're going to be able to create that cash flow with inflation for the rest of your life without running out of money. Doing that work 
as early as possible uh, and setting realistic targets about what you can accomplish. Um, that, uh, that's incredibly powerful work and it's, it's fun when we see that happen in people's lives. And, you know, we've had people who dreamed 10 years in advance. We're going to spend the first year of our lives in retirement in Italy. And uh, believe me, when that, when that email came from the client uh, several years ago, we're headed there. Uh, what, how fulfilling that was for us as a team, and of course for them to know that they dreamed this, built the dream, and, and now they're, they're off to live that dream. So uh, 65 or 67% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And we know, we know the debt structures in this country are not favorable. I, I don't see how on a national level uh, this thing ends well for America, given the amount of debt that we're, that we're accumulating at the national level, uh, the amount of uh, unfunded mandates for Social Security, um, the, uh, uh, the state pension plans are underfunded by one and a half trillion. You know, we've got almost a trillion dollars credit card debt now in America. There's just debt everywhere. You're, you're and, such a bright spot this morning, Bill. You know I am. Um, <laughs> at Faith Radio, uh, at, at KTIS, you know, this July will have been on Faith Radio 10 years. Sometimes off air they say, well, that was another bummer, Bill, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, there's a lot of Christians in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who have very little savings. And uh, and they uh, they face a very uncertain future, and some of that is uh, is of their undoing. Much of it probably was out of their hands. And what do you, how do you work with them? How do you what do you say to those to those folks? Well, it, it, as as people of faith, uh, we know that God will provide. Yes. Now, now he. Uh, he gives us uh, wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, ask, and it shall be given from James. Uh, and he certainly wants for his people to take responsible action, okay? So he, he, doesn't, he doesn't reward disobedience, right? Uh, right. But always, uh, and as you say, sometimes at no fault of their own, they're in this position. So it's a matter of pulling the resources together, figuring out what's reasonable to believe, and taking responsible action day by day. Um, obedience uh, does not always guarantee the result that we think we should have. You look at the life of Jesus. His obedience led to death on a cross. Uh, and. Some would think that's failure, but that was the perfect result. God's work is always perfect, even though if it, does, it doesn't look like it's perfect, and he accomplishes his will. So obedience, trusting, and uh, following his leadership um, as closely as we can. Yeah, every day is a new day in the Lord. You can always start fresh. And uh, worst case scenario, you start by just saving a little bit at a time and you're going to think in your head, well, that isn't enough. I can't retire on this. You're right, you can't. But God will provide. 
but as you are obedient, um, uh, God uh, God is able to bless more. He always in the scriptures. There's always this com this association. I'm going to say, not really a correlation, but an association between uh, being obedient to God and God's blessing. Whereas there's always uh, an association between sinning and being under God's curse. And so um, every day is a new day. You can always start fresh. So. Uh, Keith, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk with you. I've learned uh, a number of things from you, so thank you. Well, thank you, Bill. It's, uh, it's always a joy to fellowship with other believers, and uh, in some way, shape, or form, I hope I've been an encouragement. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that's what we're here for, to serve him and, and, and uh, trust him with the results. So we've been talking with Keith Muller, <clears throat> who's the founder of the Muller Advisory Group. Uh, you can get a hold of Keith at keith.muller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R, at N-M, Northwestern Mutual, N-M.com. So, Keith, thank you again for joining us today. And for those who have been watching, I hope that you will uh, watch another uh, Profiles in Stewardship that is coming up. I believe my next one is with I'm thinking right, it is with Ken Larson, who is the owner of Slumberland here in the Twin Cities. He and I are going to talk about best and worst practices in succession planning for businesses. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll also, of course, be talking about his faith in the Lord. He has a ministry of talking about finish strong, finish well. And uh, that's a ministry that, that you might want to uh, take a look at. So again, Keith, thank you for joining us today. Uh, enjoy your time down in Punta Gorda, Florida. Uh, this was recorded in February, so I'm righteously jealous that you're in warm weather and I'm not here in Minneapolis. So until then, in the next episode, uh, you all take care and have a great day. Thank you for joining Keith and Bill today. I hope you found their conversation to be helpful to you as you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. If you'd like to talk with Bill, just email him at bill at bibleandbusiness.com. I know he would enjoy connecting with you and thinking through some of your most difficult situations. Bill and I hope you'll join us again for another Bible and Business Profiles in Stewardship podcast. So until then, may God richly bless you as you serve him today. Take care.